Original content. Content. Compelling discussions. Audio on demand. This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingle, Taylor Moore, Jay Darden, Congressman Garrett Gray, Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark, Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Thanks, Neil. Welcome back. Episode 251 is here on podcast. 225.com, iTunes, the iHeartMedia app, and airing weekends in Baton Rouge on Talk 1073 FM. They run excerpts from the show, and we appreciate that. So how are you? July is almost out of here, and I don't think any of us are going to be sad to see it go. In fact, the closer we get to January, it seems like the more people's stress level will probably come down. That is unless you are running for office. Of course, that does not apply to the guest that we have in studio with us today, and that is East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney Hiller Moore. Hiller is going back in for another six years because he did not draw opposition. Qualifying happened last week here in Baton Rouge, and no one signed up to run against him, and so he was basically re-elected at 4.30 on last Friday. Of course, he will be officially sworn into the new term in January. But he's going to be here in studio for a conversation about some things that we couldn't get into before when he was here. He's here about a month ago um, in, in the campaign cycle. I get it. People are going to be more guarded about some subjects and not want to get into some things. But he's back today to talk a little bit about going back in. And it's interesting because... We referenced it when he was here before. Hiller is a district attorney, a a chief prosecutor here, and does a great number of things to try to keep young men out of prison. And but he's become the subject of some pretty stiff criticism from people that borders on calling him racist. And I don't agree with it. I've known him, I've worked with him. And look, everybody's got a right to their own opinion. But the, the, the character assassination that happens so often is not just so often. Every time it's problematic and it's juvenile and people can disagree. Let's say somebody disagrees with Hiller and a lot of people disagree with him on the job that he is doing. And that's their right to do that. If you want to do it, everybody's got a right to like who they like, dislike who they dislike. But the characterization of him as being bad for people of color is just, in my opinion, wrong. The man does care about people here. And I posted something on social media, on actually all of my stuff, uh, last week about how black people and white people aren't aren't enemies, that evil is the enemy of all mankind. Some agree, some disagree. But I'm telling you, if you if you view it that way, there is no way to make it into anything other than an anti evil approach. And some people will say, well, what about racism? Racism is evil. What about sexism? Same. Discrimination of any count, any kind. Same. You can't twist it to mean any. So it doesn't matter who it's coming from. If it's of that nature, it is still something that's a problem for all people. 
And then the goal or the or the thing has to become, what is your aim? But nowadays, it's kind of hard to, to differentiate those who really want things to be better from those who really want things to be better for them individually and specifically that. And I know that, look, I, got, I get that a lot of people, and I hear this stuff, I saw something last week, a comment I made in a local publication here. Somebody twisted it and sent it to somebody trying to make it mean something that it didn't mean. And I just shake my head at it because that's what people do. You're a weasel. Anybody who does that, anything like that, adults should be able to talk about disagreements and walk away even if you don't come to common ground and say okay we can agree if you don't agree at least walk away knowing you know you got a right to your opinion i have a right to mine now what happens is so often if you disagree you are just absolutely savaged i don't know decent people who can agree with brutality of any any kind against anyone but you know didn't plan on that rant, but there it is. Today, we'll talk with the district attorney about him going back in, what he expects for the next six years. Talk a little bit about that visit by protesters to his house. He didn't go heavily into it before, and I let him slide because I got it. It's campaign. It's politics. Well, he's in now, and we're going to get it again. We'll talk about it another time. We'll talk about it one more time, I should say, here on the show. And then a a number of other things. We'll get into it. He'll he'll be here in studio with us. And we'll chat about the future of his office in this new climate of what's happening in America. And then ways that we we can make some of this better. What I tend to find is when you tell people that you have to apply some intellect and reason to some of these things. And like, well, I won't even, I won't go there. I'll just, I'll, I'll let it go. But listen, this guy, Hiller Moore, our district attorney in East Baton Rouge Parish, and who will be our district attorney going forward, is one man's opinion. He is a good person who does care about people here, all kinds of people here, and wants to do a good job here for everyone here. And if there is evidence to the contrary, show it to me. But in all the years that I've known him, I have never seen anyone who cares more in that capacity about helping all people than he. So let's chat with him about that as he will be in studio on episode 251 of The Clay Young Show. Podcast225.com. Expecting mothers and fathers? Family Rose Healthy Start Community Action Network wants you to stay healthy as we deal with the reality of COVID-19. Here are five tips to help you and your unborn baby. Keep prenatal visits to ensure good health of you and your baby. If you need help, Family Road Healthy Start has case managers who provide one-on-one support and is enrolling expecting mothers and fathers now. Stay safe by washing your hands before or after any encounter. You, your family, 
family and children should wear masks in public. Pregnant moms, stay home if possible. If not, limit all outings and keep any additional family members, such as your children, home. Stay informed by getting all current information on COVID-19 from trusted resources. And finally, stay prepared in the event you may develop symptoms or test positive for the coronavirus. For additional information, visit womans.org. To enroll in Family Road Healthy Start, call 201-8888 and give your baby and family a healthy start. We'll get through this together. Clay Young here with John Conroy, the founder and owner of Pestop, your do-it-yourself pest control solution. Most people are not really up on the concept of crazy ants. Insert your own joke there, but we're talking about pests and <laughs> pest control stuff. Yeah, clarify that. But John Conroy is here to talk about crazy ants and really the nuisance they are, John. They really are. And you'll know you have them if you can't stand still in your yard for, I say, more than eight or ten seconds because yeah. they'll be all over you. It's like yeah. the whole yard is moving. But okay? they don't bite, though, right? No, they do not. But they cause a lot of damage. They destroy okay. pool pump motors and air conditioners, etc. And you just can't use a normal insecticide with them. It has okay. to contain fipronil because it has to create a chain reaction in order to kill the gazillion ants that are out there. John knows what he's talking about. So do the people at his stores. If I'm in the Baton Rouge area and I need to kill these ants, how can I find you? Well, come by and see us. Our Baton Rouge store is located at 806 O'Neill Lane. That's about a block south of Old Hammond Highway. Or give us a call with questions at 273-4788 because we can help you with that. The issues, the policies, the people. This is The Clay Young Show. Back with probably the happiest man about this election cycle that's going on right now, the East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney, Hiller Moore, who is now without a campaign. You don't have to run anymore. You got elected without opposition. You're back in, and we got to deal with you for six more years. (laughs) Congratulations, brother. Thanks a lot. It's really congratulations to you. I think the people that work in the office, work with with me, uh, hats off to them for such a great effort the last 12 years yeah and uh, uh that's what i would all do is a lot of hard work by a lot of people over a lot of time and looking forward to the next six years it's interesting because there were groups trying to get people to run against you and now that this is all over with i wanted to talk with you about it and really dig into this first up on the list is the issue of race and and race was a big part of the dialogue out there about your your candidacy for re-election, and I've known you a long time, and you and I have talked about a number of things about issues in the inner city and these young men that we have to try to to get to. You know, I was talking to Jeffrey the other day, uh, Jeff Chief Leduff, and he talked about all the all the crime scenes you've come out to as DA and all the the mothers that you've spoken with, necks you've hugged over the loss of of children. Man, why did you never push back on this? false narrative about you that was out there i don't really didn't think i have to head to i thought that my record would uh, speak for itself and just look at my actions and see what i've done over the past 12 years where i've been look at who i've hired come to my office come see my office not only that come see my section chiefs who run the office uh look at this positions that we take uh you know, we, we do deal with racial issues so we can always deal with them sure but uh to me, it just wasn't an issue for me, and I was not going to stir that up any more than what others wanted to stir it up. However, I will listen to everyone, mm-hmm. and my plan is now to continue to go out to those who may have wanted to have others run against me and just speak with them and tell me, tell me what do you think? If, I'm, if I can do something better, I want to do it. 
And then, well, you know, it, politics is politics. Some of this comes along with yeah. it. The, we talked about this the last time you were here a month or so ago, and it's, it's, it's a gone issue now, but now it's becoming a trend with the group that came to your house. And I saw recently that there's a group that went to the house of a, of a sitting school board member for that. Uh, obviously, the campaign was coming up, and I know that you didn't want to dig into all of that stuff now, but I'm, I'm going here now. We got to. <laughs> you have to believe that like your office is. You work at a building that's for the people. Yes, right. That's the people's building. Absolutely. You have to say you did not like people coming to your house. Sure. Absolutely. It, yeah, it's. I mean, it's my house. It's my neighborhood. It's neighbors. Uh, it's children's family, wife, other family members that live come there, mm-hmm. uh, live around the neighborhood. So yeah, that's uh, that's one's home. My home had nothing to do with anything. Right. I understood they were respectful. I was respectful of them. My neighbors were. There was not an issue. My comments were very respectful of sure. them, as always. And, and you know, you would think they would be done at the office, not at my house, but. That's the first time, and to my knowledge, in Baton Rouge, it's when some protesters are. First time, not the first, last time, apparently, first now. Time. But, so, yeah. uh, again, I was respectful. They were respectful of me. I think a lot of the people that came had no idea why they came to my house or who I was, why they were there. Do you think some of them even know, knew they were no, going to your house? No idea. Yeah. Uh, who, really, who I was and yeah. what the uh, angst was against yeah. me at the time. So, you know, it is, it's, it's over with uh, for least for now and so I'll, again I, and even we reached out to some of the people that were there mm-hmm. and said look I'd like to talk to you do you know do you know anything about me who I am who the office is yeah. can I explain to you I think what I maybe learned from that is maybe I need to do a better job of explaining what the office really does do. sure sure I mean we work all day long it's so right. hard to, and you don't really want to advertise what you think you're doing right right you'd like for it to speak for itself right but that is one thing that I got from speaking with one of the organizers that Mm -hmm. that's maybe something we need to do a better job of the i was out at one of the the protests or marches up segan lane and saw some of the kids there and they've got strong opinions about law enforcement but to from what i saw that day they had no interest in violence no no interest in in rioting or anything like that i mean i told somebody when they were done in front of the jack and jack in the box on on segan lane at airline highway they were picking up their water bottles and looking for places to throw it away what is your opinion about the two sides who differ on issues of police community relations or or whatever yeah you know pretty simple what do you think that is much more middle ground than there is uh grounds to fight over yeah and i think that a matter of listening speaking talking uh, that's how you would really overcome a lot of the issues a lot of folks have not experienced a lot of things so far being given that age mm-hmm. um something goes wrong who are you gonna call who you want to call right uh, there's a lot of issues up right now, but I think there's much more middle ground and neutral ground there is grounds to fight over. It doesn't seem like the loudest voices are interested in middle ground. And that's my opinion. And I'm, sure. I'm not even asking you, yeah, but that, and I think, like you said, there, there are places that you can agree. And then there are places that are total misrepresentations of what happens. And this stuff happens on both sides. Now you are the chief prosecutor for the 19th JDC and more often now you're going to see heightened attention paid to anything that involves a police officer. How has this new climate 
changed how you approach your job. Actually, that's been the, the sense for the last several years, many years, mm-hmm. five, six years. Mm-hmm. But so now it surely is even more, more so. Right. So the police are going to be at the forefront of the political battleground wherever you go. Right. Um, and things have be- become more divisive from Washington to Baton Rouge, you mm-hmm. know it. Mm-hmm. And so we have to find leaders that are not, that are going to understand both sides and talk to everybody and be able to lead now. We're at a time right now with a lot of elections, and so I think people have some choices to make, and they have to listen to those that are running, and right. let's see which, which you want for the future of Baton Rouge. But you know, again, out there at the various protests, as you indicated, the vast overwhelming majority of those people who were peaceful, people that wanted to get their word out, they, uh, they're not for uh, violence or anything like that. There was very few that would called called others out to block a street or do well, something. Well, and, and a lot of those very folks few. weren't even from here anyway. Absolutely, I mean, very few. You and I know some of the so, details about that. So again, it's um, I'm, my respect goes out to those people that came, showed up, but, said what they had to say. and But the same is true for men and women in law enforcement. True. That this picture of law enforcement that's being painted by some that, that portray it as just a bunch of racist white men cops yeah and law enforcement agencies by and large are a lot more than that and that is a small percentage among the 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 whole obviously there are people who are cops who shouldn't be cops just like there are people who are teachers who shouldn't be teachers and so on and so on but i i'm uncomfortable with the narrative the the whole defund the police thing doesn't work for me because when something happens in somebody's house, they don't call Pizza Hut, they call the cops. So then you got to you have to navigate those two sides, man. Yeah. And and often you have people coming in grand juries, uh, juries in a jury trial. I mean, how do you mitigate some of that emotion that's out there and still make certain that the process is fair? So that's unknown right now. How are we going to mitigate the jury process? Mm. Still haven't had a jury in a long time. Mm-hmm. Hope to maybe have one Monday. Right. But how do you ask questions of jurors about police mm-hmm. and race and issues and make sure we have good honest answers so you can make a decision that's tough um, you mentioned defunding and the police so it's you know it's, we talk about police always but we always leave out da's judges was well, law enforcement else. yeah it, in general so yeah. we have a lot of folks that should be in different positions mm-hmm. not just police yeah but let's talk a little bit about defunding and the police so i believe that historically police have been given the dirty job to do by legislatures all over the United States, by all the states, by Congress. So whenever we're not able to handle the problem, whenever you don't want to fund the problem, mm-hmm. mental health, let's take that right now. There it is. So what do you do? You let the police go out there and do all the dirty work. Right. You don't train them. You don't fund them. But you make them do the dirty work, and here it is. Mm-hmm. What about a nonviolent situation to take mental health out of it? Uh, maybe it's just traffic. So you don't want the police to do traffic. Well, you, by legislature, created traffic laws, and right. the police are the ones that enforce it. What happens when you make the traffic stop? That's not a policeman making the stop. It's a new mm-hmm. organization, and there's drugs. There's a DWI. There's a body. Who do you gonna? Who you want to right. call? So we have to find a way around that. But the police are giving given the jobs to do that nobody wants, and by law we legislate that this is your job mm-hmm. to do, and it's always the jobs that are never funded. And they're not really equipped to do that. And that's when you see these things go bad. 
And uh, we need to find a way around that. It's going to take a lot of dialogue. You here have seen cases happen going back to Alton Sterling in July of 2016 and then recently. And one of the things that you have done is when these happen, you recuse your office from some of these, like with the with the Sterling case because of a tie to, I think, one of the relatives of Alton Sterling. You pulled yourself out of it for any conflict. You caught a lot of criticism for that. And when you have done that, you catch criticism. So for the public on the outside who don't know the inside baseball, they just read something in the newspaper or see something on the on the television. Why do you do that? Under what circumstances do you make that decision? And then what do you think the rationale behind it is? So it's really a one officer involved shooting. That was it. That mm-hmm. was the, the only case. Mm-hmm. And that's because of my relationship with the parents of one of the officer. Right. And the relationship was way too close professionally mainly right. because of the positions they were in right. with regard to me and my office that I thought that if I made any decision one way or the other, I'd be criticized and someone would have a legitimate criticism. Mm-hmm. So I thought that the best thing for me to do was to reach out to the Attorney General, uh, the FBI, United States Attorney, which I did immediately upon knowing who was involved and made that decision early on didn't wait. Um, but we also, when the, the cases that we keep, we, we criticize if we go to the grand jury yeah. and the grand jury makes particularly a no true bill right. decision or if we don't go to the grand jury and do an elaborate report that's 40 pages long that takes a year to do you know the, the criticism is why didn't you take it to the grand jury right why did you decide it on your own there's a lot of legal uh, and ethical things that we have to consider as the DA before we are even allowed to go to a grand jury as an accusatory type of body uh, if, if there's not enough evidence, I just can't go mm-hmm. uh, legally and ethically to a grand jury. And then and that's when we left with writing reports to try to be as transparent as we can. So things are changing now. So, uh, Senator Cleo Fields is uh, yeah. uh, committee number seven. Yeah. It's going to study police involvement and I think officer involved shootings yeah. as well. There's all kind of different models out there now how we should handle these things. There's no right answer. There'll never be a right answer. Again, it's going to come down to funding. Yeah. So one model wants the state police to come in and investigate every one of the officer-involved homicides. If that happens, uh, the state police wants 45 additional investigators mm-hmm. for the entire state. So that's one model that may work. Right. There's other models, a regional type of approach. Uh, so I'm all for opening up and listening to uh, better ideas. You have pressure from both sides. The aggressively pro-law enforcement side does not want any any discussion that paints cops into a bad light. The anti-cop side doesn't believe that police officers deserve any benefit of the doubt. Now, you still, as a prosecutor, have to get into a process where neither side is cheated, quote-unquote, sure. and that the process is not in any way compromised, and you referenced earlier about, about a jury. See, I wonder how long this atmosphere is going to exist and the long-term impact on, say, for instance, an officer's involved with someone and there are no other witnesses and the body camera footage isn't 100 percent, you know, exculpatory or whatever. and, and, And you're like, okay, we don't know. So now you got both sides saying, oh, the cop did it. And then the other side saying, no, this cop, that's got to be tough, man. It is, and it comes down to a matter of proof. But, you know, always back in the day before body cameras and things like, and uh, breathalyzers with the FBI, we relied on the testimony of the officer. Right. And now 
you can't just rely on the testimony of the officer with a particularly with a jury and particularly if there's a black and there's a white issue and so i think that eventually though pendulum swings eventually people have to come back to neutral and making a decision what's best for the community public mm -hmm. safety based on what they have in front of them everyone has to do a better job have to be more open more transparent. Well, what does that mean do a better job though uh you when you have to you have to show your efforts and that you are actually performing your job at the best ability that you can you cannot take any shortcut that i'm just going to rely on body camera i'm going to mm -hmm. rely on uh scientific evidence you have to really go out there and want, want to work work hard mm -hmm. interview witnesses bend over backwards to do what you can do to knock on doors uh, speak with families right. be more personal right everything it's a, it takes a lot of work the relationship that you have with Baton Rouge Police Chief Murphy Paul and Sheriff Sid Gotro and how, how well you guys work together. And you're you are kind of the linchpin to that because, you know, you are here. You know, you you were elected before Sid became sheriff, I believe. Right. Sid's so old. I don't know. I think, um, <laughs> I think Sid was around before dirt. So actually, yes, Sid has been around uh, as a chief through uh, Baker. No, no, and I mean before he was the sheriff of, of East Baton Rouge. Actually, uh, I believe Sid was a little bit before me. A little bit before you. Okay, so, but the, the point I was going to make is you go back three or four police chiefs now, and now you oh, and Chief Paul and, the, and, and six, wow, are working together. And, and I think... That is a plus because in a lot of areas, you don't have this camaraderie that the three of you share. No, surely traveling around the United States, uh, except for the last several months, you hear that in every city that I go to, particularly from the DAs, that they do not get along whatsoever right. with the chief, the sheriff, or the mayor. And you have to add the colonel, Colonel uh, Kevin Reeves, mm -hmm. as well. Prior Absolutely. To Mike, yeah. Prior yeah. to him, uh, yeah. Mike. Yeah. And so, yes, we do have a very good relationship. We do disagree on certain things from mm -hmm. time to time, sure. which is normal, but it's yeah. all professional disagreement. But Baton Rouge has been unique over many years. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't care what color or what they are. Yeah. Baton Rouge, we have gotten along very well. And I think it's key to the future. Well, you have to have that, though. You have to have that because that cooperation, if everybody's in their silos, it compromises the work you have to do on behalf of the public. Correct. So the one asterisk to that, we talked about officer-involved shootings and what's the thing to The biggest complaints about DAs and officer-involved shootings, why do you treat them differently than a regular person who shoots and kills? First of all, they're never a whodunit. Mm -hmm. You always know who right. did it. But it's the DA's relationship with the chief, yeah. with the sheriff, yeah. with the officers. When, I, when you go to every crime scene, mm -hmm. you see them in court, you read their reports, you know them. Unlike a regular case that I get yeah. it's a homicide I really don't know them right I'm not sure I can can't judge them I don't know their family haven't been to work with them that's the complaint is that maybe you're too close as the local elected DA mm -hmm. should another DA from another parish should an attorney general you know those cases that's where the complaint is yeah those are legitimate concerns that people raise and that's what it looks like to someone on the outside that that's you too close so I think still, bottom line, it's, uh, I, I like having the relationship we have. Mm -hmm. And eventually everyone's professional. You have to do your job yeah. regardless of what the relationship is. With these kids now, that are, and I, young people, I would say 30 and down, they language law enforcement and the interaction a lot differently. And like you referenced a second ago, and the, and the, the chief and I talked about this, and, and the sheriff and I have talked about this, that these kids view it 
the 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 presence of law enforcement the way that they view it, right? Right. But both of them have said to me on separate occasions that there is a way to at least have dialogue to be able to work forward together so that there is civility. And as again, you're law enforcement, but it's a different aspect of law enforcement and what you do. So where do you fit in that cog? Because we know the cops in the community have to get together and talk and not everybody in the inner city is a criminal and not every police officer is a racist bigot who wants to beat up black men. Right. But where do you fit in that as a district attorney? It really falls on the backs of the chief and the sheriff and police more than does the DA. We're a little bit removed from that, but it still is. uh, We have the same issues with transparency and trust. They don't believe that the DA is can be trusted. He that. I'm, I shouldn't have this charge. I'm not guilty of this charge, but you're taking the policeman's word mm-hmm. and you prosecute me for this. Uh, we don't really have enough. We talked about this before, you and I. We basically flip hamburgers and move people around. Mm-hmm. We're really not able to slow down and let me talk to you. I right. really can't talk to him, but right. let me talk to you through your lawyer. Mm-hmm. Let me learn a little bit more about you and slow down. Are there other ways that we can divert you through the system and maybe not prosecute you? Right. For those that are non-violent. Non-violent, yeah. Is there something we can do? Are there programs out there? If we can get to those people earlier and do that type of service with them, that'd be, uh, be the best. But at this point, we're takes money, effort people, and uh, we're not there yet. There are in some communities, but they're well-funded as well. It's restorative justice. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot to that. Yeah. There's some bad stories out of restorative justice. However, we can always have bad stories. And this restorative justice, there are a number of aspects, one of which were the ability to, for the accuser to, to, to face the person who has caused atrocity against them or someone they love. Explain the rationale behind that. Well, if you get to know the person that harmed you and the reasons why the person did what they did, maybe you can better understand their whole life and their actions. Depending on what it is, I probably but wouldn't want to know. There's the, oftentimes in some murder cases, yeah. we've seen uh, cities across the nation that do this. Mm-hmm. And some have uh, agreed to a much reduced sentence. Mm-hmm. Some have not. Some have come to the ground to talk and then the defendant has said, I'm not talking. Right. And then it's really hurt things again. So it just really depends. But it takes a lot of dedicated people to even get to that point mm-hmm. where that person was the killer. Let's take that example or someone who's hurt someone badly, they have to show that they're remorseful, okay. that they're willing to get help, they have received help, then the other side has to accept that, understand it, uh, and then go from there. Can, right. you, can we move on? I don't think we should start with the homicides and the... No, those, not, the, not you know, those abs- cases. absolutely. But, uh, that, that's just a yeah. flagrant uh, example. But there are many others, I think, that we can do that. Mm-hmm. Burglary, thefts. Uh, smaller things in communities where particularly generally the, um, the the people that we see that are in court, the victims are people that they know or they're family members. That makes right. it easier for restorative your phone vibrating here? Uh, Somebody uh, bothering so, you while you're doing um, this interview? So it makes it easier for restorative justice when you kind of know you, the parties. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to potentially doing some of that in Baton Rouge. You know, Hiller, I've always talked about an aspect of law of of this crime that we don't get to talk about because people are so busy screaming at each other. The average person who's going to commit a crime doesn't call 911 first and say, hey, 
I'm about to shoot 30 people over here. Y'all better catch me. And if you don't, I'm going to do it. Generally speaking, law enforcement is involved after the fact. There are issues of addiction, socioeconomic issues, some of the predeterminants of these things that happen long before crime is committed. I don't believe that we spend enough time talking about the impact poor schools have on kids, the impact broken families have. And I'm not making excuses, but these trends begin long before the person reaches the stage where they're hurting someone. Yes. And and do you don't you think we should invest more time into that aspect of this? Yeah, no doubt. So we go back again to the criticism of the police and that they're here to clean up the mess that we all leave them. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is now in the educational system. Yeah. So when you have an educational system that's broken or not working at the it's ultimate mm-hmm. ultimate then you're going to see a more of a need for police. So I really have always believed we need to spend more money on our children. Our Absolutely. Education. Absolutely. We should have the best schools Absolutely. in the world, just like when you go to Mississippi, Alabama, mm-hmm. Texas, compare them to what we have. Yeah. They're different. Yeah. And I would like to see that in Baton Rouge. Our kids deserve it. And I think once you see that, you're going to see a complete change in Baton Rouge, the way people talk to each other, respect for each Cause other. Because that's where it starts. It all starts there. Yeah. And you give these kids an education, you give them a chance give a chance not to be involved with police and I think you're going to see a better Baton Rouge and I'm looking forward to maybe meeting the new superintendent and talking yeah, yeah. to her about yeah, that yeah. but it's going to take money it's going to take people in well, it always does and if we don't want to spend the money there then you're going to spend it on law enforcement there's no chance you're going to defund them listen a buddy of mine has a saying a mutual friend of ours he said the answer is money now what's your question right. and so that's kind of the way it goes but we see some of these kids through truce and work that's done there a lot of them can do it a lot of them have never been exposed to an alternative way of going about life i mean they they live in a figurative war zone where you got to be a tough guy you have to be able to fight you have to have a gun on you you have to be i mean that is their reality and so when you're on the outside you're like how could you live like that it's like well if you see where they are and what they deal with every day you would get it so you uh you know your listeners have maybe they have no idea but you know because you've seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. You've seen these children, young kids, yep. who are potential killers or victims. 12 and 13 killer. years old, y'all. But yeah. you can take the other group that's even yeah. a little bit uh, older, 17, 18, yeah. the ones yeah. That, yeah. that we have hung with some right. time. Right. And uh, when you sit down and you talk to these kids, they are very intelligent. Mm-hmm. They can have a career wherever they really wanted to, right. but they're stuck. Yep. And they're in this churn that we do. It's called this criminal justice system. It's more of a churn, not mm-hmm. a system. They get stuck in there. It's a lifetime. It's a history of stuck. Mm-hmm. And then you, when you people on the outside that don't know, they say, well, how can that person do what he did? Well, if you really kind of knew what you and I knew, you'd mm-hmm. kind of figure out yep. it makes sense why he did what he did. Yep. And then when you and I, and particularly Aishla, works with these kids. More so Aishla than you and me. But and yeah. when Aishla is so happy that, hey, I just spoke to a kid that's under supervision. Yeah. He got into a really bad argument last night. And he said, you know what? I didn't shoot him i didn't harm him right that's a big win that's a re- and that's a real thing now correct now yeah. for us you, you go home to where you live and i live yeah. that's yeah. our kids that's yeah you better not have right well, for that is a huge first step mm-hmm. and it's hard for people to understand except that it's worth it. it is even for me yeah but that's the steps that we have to make with the kids that we have built because of the lack of things that we've given that's it not only education but it's families as well you see, man, and this is the thing that I referenced when I talked about you earlier, 
and why people like myself and Jeff and people who know you, who we're, we're all friends and we see it. And the picture of you that's painted is not the person we know. And it's like, look, he I always tell people he drags down a check to put people in jail. And I've never seen someone so committed and so excited when we can save a young man's life, particularly a, a young man of color. Yeah. And and that's my problem with politics now it is and it's always been around the lust for power i mean it's it goes back to biblical days but now it's so destructive because of the fragility of 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 people and society it's like look man let's invest this energy into some of these kids who will blow your mind if you just sit with them they really really will and and i don't know but you have to walk in their shoes and it's tough to be on the outside without really knowing what's going on yeah and i tell you know people say all the time man i surely don't want your job yeah and i say you know if you only knew part of it mm-hmm. you don't uh, i'd like for you to walk in the neighborhoods that we walk yeah. in and see really yeah how bad things are and then you would get to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work when we when we take people with us when we've done these these canvases these meet and greets yeah. and they get to see the people and i can, i have had countless people i'm sure you have too who've walked in some of these areas for the first time ever wouldn't drive through them let alone walk th- through them and then they meet people and they talk with people and you realize all of the value that's back there that never gets talked about. No doubt. Because when you talk about Brookstown or Dixie or some of these other areas, you're only it, it is almost always about criminal activity. It isn't about the grandmother back there or the couple raising their kids back there who are both right. working every day or the single mother who's raising her kids back there who's trying to keep them out right. of trouble. They can't get any, any airtime. No. But the killers can. And I think we got to do a better job of giving the other people some some attention and attaboys for doing what they do, don't you think? Oh, there's no doubt there's a bunch of stars that live in Brookstown and all the others that we yeah. paint, paint with a very wide, large brush yeah. because of their zip code and because yeah. of bad things. But as you know, there's um, maybe 5% of the entire population mm-hmm. of Brookstown. Let's just use that. Uh, just area. that area, yeah. Uh, but pick one, mm-hmm. uh, that entire area. So everyone gets painted with because of 5%. We're right. talking about a handful of... Right. Young people that are very uh, violent. Yeah, because there's clearly no drugs in the country club. Right. Uh, you know, and, 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 and the thing is, it's 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 interesting. But, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited that you're back in there. I know the work you're going to do. So let's break some news here on the show. Um, and, and you can just admit this. You know, you always talk to tell the people the truth. You go to Whole Foods and buy those cucumbers that you <laughs> give to people and tell them you grow, don't you? No. <laughs> No chance. He swears no he's got chance. a green thumb, man. And, you know, Jeff and I were trying to figure, we, we, were, we were figuring we're going to set up surveillance to catch you bagging in some, some you vegetables. You guys afraid to come home. You so, may have to sweat too much in my house. That's a, nah, there's a lot of well, work going on. We know you can work a weed eater. <laughs> I did. There's a story on that, yes. We told that yeah, story I mean, the last time he was Jeff was here after you were here before. And That's uh, about the only true thing he would ever say is that it's <laughs> maybe that story. Okay. (laughs) Come on, man. You know. Uh, So, what's your plan for the next six years? Going to regroup as in the office. Yeah. Like to talk to all of our section chiefs and our attorneys and all the others that in the have positions in the office to say. Yep. Let's let's say we start over today. Mm -hmm. How should we do this differently? Just from beginning to end, and forget that we operate this way now. How can we do things better? for the entire community right we're we doing things wrong look at the data that we've now been able to collect what are we doing race wise mm-hmm. can we do a better job should we do a better job of what we're doing 
uh, how can we obtain more grants? Uh, the other is going to be reaching out to community people that can maybe help yeah. better than what we've done before. Uh, are there services that they can provide us that we can divert? Like Ms. Liz with Change. Yes. She's a rock star. Yeah. Uh, what can 100 Black Men yeah. do with us, Boys and Girls Club? Yep. I need to reach out to all of those people all over again. Did you ever dance for Big Buddy? Hell no. no. Why not? No chance. How did I get bamboozled into doing it and they never called you? I saw you Gaynell, I'm going to call you. Don't you do it. Oh, you were there. You were one of the judges. Uh, God, you that was so bad. Yeah, I saw you dance and I said, yeah. I'm not going to embarrass myself. <laughs> I had other elections that so I was thinking about. So you let me do you think about <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, all they got to do is let me pick the song <laughs> and... Uh, I got to talk to them. See, you not you don't have to run again for six years, so you could do it. They could get. I guarantee you, they'd make. They, people would come to see you do it. Yeah. You know, but then again, they'd come to see me fall off the stage. Uh, that right? that probably would happen. You and you yeah. and Sid could both do it one year. You know, I, I think you could talk Chief Paul into something like that. Oh, he no would doubt do it. he'd do it. He would yeah. do it. He would but do it in Leduff, a heartbeat. Leduff wouldn't because he couldn't make it. In his <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> what do you call him, Gucci? You call uh, Jeff because you know Jeff is listening Gucci right man. now. Yeah, Gucci, Gucci man. Gucci man. I, you know, Jeff, I wouldn't take care if I were you, man. Got I wouldn't to. do it. <laughs> well, uh, listen, uh, it, man, this is going to be interesting. I think that instead of giving up on where we are, we all have to kind of grab our shovels and start working. I do no think it's, it's worthwhile effort, and we just have to try to do I, I said this on social media the other day that uh, black and white people aren't enemies. Evil is the enemy of all mankind, yep. period. And I think if we try to work together to deal with the bad stuff when it happens, all of us, all together, and I'm not being a Pollyanna, I mean dealing with systemic issues, dealing with breakdowns, dealing with interactions, I mean, let's just do the hard work and then get to the other side of it. Yeah, I'd really like to see for our homicides, you know, we're way over this year. So let's talk about about that before we wrap up. But before we get to homicides, let's talk about domestic violence. Here in this region, it is, yeah. and it doesn't get the, the inches in the paper or the minutes on television, but tell people how, how out of control domestic violence has been here, domestic I- I- issues well, here. Every, everybody predicted uh, with COVID and people were going home and not working, not going to school, it was going to rise. Mm-hmm. And it did. Just like after the flood in 2016, yeah. exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. We held the press conference saying, beware, this is going to happen. Right. It did. We've now compared ourselves with the other cities around the country. Same exact thing is happening. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen an increase in domestic violence homicides from, I think, six to seven right now from two uh, last year to 14 murder-suicides yeah. in 2017. Think about that. It's a lot. So our numbers are way too high this year. The other is uh, heroin, opioid, overdose deaths. We've already surpassed last year's death count. Incredible. Uh, in July. So we will double last year's deaths. And again, we're seeing the same thing across the nation because of the pandemic. Yeah. We didn't know which way it was going to go. We thought yeah. maybe staying at home with loved ones may help. It looks like things have gone the other way. That's they're, the, also, yeah. they're also not getting treatment because they can't get there. And places are closed. And virtual is different yeah. than in person. Yep. And then homicides, it looks like we've seen two summers. So you know where summers <laughs> are a big number. Yeah. But we saw two summers, and we're now kind of in the middle of our mm-hmm. second summer. What I'd really like for us to work on is why are people killing each other, which is the true type of model. Mm-hmm. Can we um, do a autopsy on every person, victim, killer, find out a triage? Why did you? How did you get to this position? Right. And then figure that out, and let's factor that in. And how can we stop the next person from doing that? 
And I think we should condemn uh, all of the murders. And yeah. Not just because we only pick one or two. Well, no, we it, no, no. But that's 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 the sad part about this. During this summer, there has been and there has been justifiable outrage about what happened to George Floyd. We get yes. that, and the, and the ongoing yes. dialogue about that. But we have had a year that's about to rival 2017. Yes. And could possibly even surpass numbers that I actually never thought we'd get back to anytime soon. There were 104, three, 103 murders. Yes. And we could potentially, where are we now? Uh, way too many. Way too many. Hillary doesn't like to uh, give the number. Superstitious I, 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 about I, I, that. But maybe 67, so 69. So we could surpass that. Now, that year we had an aggressive uh, November, I believe, a higher than normal month of november 13 or 14 yeah which was which is way outside of the of the norm we also had many double homicides that we've had this year so that kind of figures in but i think we were able as a community to come around every homicide let's say look killing is wrong Mm -hmm. and let's figure out what's happening and not just remain silent on that but i think it's all aspects have to say that and do that and not build it up as being something to brag about what can you do about what's happening on Plank Road? I believe for that the, people not familiar I, that uh, regularly on Friday and or Saturday, there are a group of kids who get together and they're shooting off guns or they're they're turning donuts in the middle of the road and they're out partying and drinking. And I mean, you, you can have dozens and dozens, well over 100 one one weekend, and they're out there basically having a club scene in the middle of the street. And, yeah. and that's the story about what's happening there. And I hear there, there was a group downtown maybe last week's but 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 what what could you do about that i believe that that's over at least at this point to my knowledge okay Uh, i knew that there was a lot of people that were out there and it came at a time when law enforcement was spread thin yeah because of many many other things yep hard to get there and you really don't want to create another problem for yourself Mm -hmm. Uh, but they were able to resolve that through the help of others i believe Mm -hmm. as well that came to their uh, aid and i haven't heard of that in the last two weeks so hopefully oh that's over with All right. District Attorney Hiller Moore, one without opposition, is going to be our district attorney for six and a half years, six and a half more years. I'll tell you what. We're going to catch him, Jeff. I'm I'm telling you, Jeff, he's he knows when people are around and he's hitting Whole Foods or the fruit stand and 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 bring because you really around this weekend and you'll see. And by the way, you you, you, why have why I've never gotten any vegetables from you. Only give them to friends. I just oh, they see there so, it is. See, mm-hmm. ask there Duff he, if he's received any. Je- I'm, I'm pretty sure you you never gave Jeff any vegetables. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> he's always passing out these if cucumbers that look like watermelons. I, I wouldn't tell you. On the radio. <laughs> <laughs> they cut it open and it would be ticking. <laughs> well, congratulations, uh, man. Thanks a lot, man. Look forward a lot. to Appreciate working it. more with you yeah. going forward. Same here coronavirus it's changing as you and i speak right now yeah when the world changes there's one place the capital region comes for answers we have increased stress and the closure of schools podcast225.com and the clay young show answers to your covid19 questions that's pretty much how most viral illnesses act from the people at the top truly an invisible enemy that we're uh fighting here the world is changing Are you ready? And now today's Manners Minute. It hurts. It hurts. The final words of a nine-year-old as he lay dying in the middle of a city street. Another child caught in the crossfire of deadly shootings across America. 
I'm begging his painful cry will be heard by all. It hurts. It hurts. This should be the battle cry on behalf of all children. Community violence hurts. It hurts our homes. It hurts our schools. Most of all, it hurts our children. Children exposed to violence, especially young children, grow up believing the entire world is unsafe and therefore develop a false belief that they're unworthy of being kept safe. Their ability to trust is eroded. Their ability to function in society is hindered. It is our responsibility to answer their cry. It hurts. It hurts. We must not give up or give in, but persevere in bringing an end to the violence. This is the Clay Young Show. So old Hiller is back in there again. We appreciate him being in studio with us here. I still don't believe he's he's that great in the garden. I bet he's got a gardener who's doing that work. Maybe we'll investigate that. Glad to have him in here and talking with us. And uh, I stand by the guy. I think he cares about people. He wants to do a very, very good job. And he's serious about it. Don't know that he'll he'll be running for office again when this six-year term is over. But right now, the parish is, is lucky to have him. Very lucky to have him. So, out of July and into the back end of summer, school is about to begin. Football season is on the way. Basketball season, NBA basketball season is happening now. I don't understand that. The, well, no, actually I do. I was, what I was getting ready to say is the 2020 season is supposed to begin in October. The 2019 season is entering its playoff stretch, but it's TV money. Can't leave that money on the table, which I get. I'm a capitalist. I get it. Don't want to leave that money on the table. Not robbing anybody, pro- providing entertainment for the public, because I'm sure a lot of people will be watching that. Hope you all enjoy it. And so it's, you know, it, it, it'll be what it'll be. I'm re- ready for football season to get back. As a Niner fan, I got to get this taste of that Super Bowl out of my mouth. One that everybody I know who's a friend te- it tends to enjoy rubbing in when they see me in football season comes up. I had lunch today with the folks from Louisiana Medical Management, and yeah, we got to that subject, and they had a high old time giving me some grief about my 49ers choking away that Super Bowl. Jimmy Garoppolo. Anyway, you guys enjoy the rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, or night. Whenever you're listening, we appreciate you being with us. Tell people about us. Share what we do podcast225.com. I am on Twitter at ClayYoungBR, on Instagram at Clay underscore YoungBR, and just Clay Young on the book. My email address, if you have a topic suggestion or just some thoughts on the show that you don't want to put in social, you just want to get it right to me, you can do it this way. Email me, Clay at podcast225.com. Until episode 252, you have a great one. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.